I want to share with you a friend of mine uh, who he gave me a book uh, from a friend of his, and there was something that struck me that I think will give you a word picture that I want to do. Uh, it's called, uh, well, it's called the Polanyi Puzzle. And imagine that we are given the pieces of a very large jigsaw puzzle, and it's supposed that for some reason it's important that the giant puzzle be put together in the shortest amount of time possible or that the vision gets accomplished in the shortest amount of time possible. We would naturally try to speed this up by engaging a number of helpers. The question is, in what manner could these be best employed, the, as opposed to working on the puzzle by ourselves? The only way the, that the assistants can effectively cooperate and surpass by far what any single one of us could do is to let them work on putting the puzzle together in the sight of the others. In the sight of the others. So that every time a piece of it is fitted in by one helper, all the others will immediately watch out for the next step that becomes possible in consequence. Under this system, each helper will act on his own initiative by responding to the latest achievement of the others. And the completion of their joint task will be greatly accelerated. We have here in a nutshell the way in which a series of independent initiatives are organized to a joint achievement by mutually adjusting themselves at every successive stage to the situation created by all of the others who are acting likewise. So we have a puzzle, and we have a whole bunch of issues, and a whole bunch of challenges, and here's the rest of them, and they're all over the place. And I tell you, if I were to just illustrate a few of them, you would go home very discouraged, so I won't do that. You discover them on your own. But this, there are myriads of issues once you start getting the facts that you don't have, like that one that you didn't have, and only one in 15 years has had before the training. So now we've got people sitting around, not you, you're the facilitator, but they're putting the pieces together. And they're fitting this one in right here. And then that one sees what just fit there, and then they got this piece, and they grab this piece and put that in place there. And then this one. Yeah, we could do that. That's a word picture I want you to have. That's what I've been trying to say. You gotta work in teams. They, they learn from one another. And you as the leader facilitate these jigsaw puzzles. You allow them to work together in unity, solving the problems of a ministry. And it, what did it say? It'll accelerate, accelerates progress. And the better you can accomplish that with the things I've been telling you, the things that are in the product, the faster, the better you can facilitate this, the faster your ministry will grow and go, the further it will go. Another 
tool that you can use is <clears throat> if it's not your job, then what could you do? What are some of the th well, you need to get creative. There's, there's two key ingredients when you have a team meeting like this. Two things that you're trying to achieve. One is that they leave more eager to do it. And the second, that they're better prepared to do it. You can have a lot of eagerness and no preparation and it fizzles out and people get discouraged and dismotivated. So you, but um, more eager, more excited, more cranked up, more motivated, feeling more ownership and commitment every time they leave the meeting. So two key things, more eager and then discipleship. They're both discipleship. You create discipleship creates greater eagerness, as I just pointed out here, when you give them an opportunity to contribute. But then more motivated more, and more equipped, more equipped to be able to accomplish more for Christ. And then the two key things in terms of the meeting itself are frequency and quality. How frequently you meet. Now, as Pastor Whitfield mentioned, you know, he has his full-time staff on his ELT. So they can, he can meet as often as he needs to, as their captive audience. But he meets how many times? Every other Wednesday. Every other Wednesday. <clears throat> so frequency is important. But if you have volunteers, as he pointed out yesterday, and they can't be there at many of them at the same you have to find a time and you have to do it and once once they've had their time with God and their family and their workplace then they can help you build the ministry given their particular situation so obviously that's slower the meetings why because the meetings are less frequent so the frequency is important but you have to be sensitive to your people and then the other part of the equation is the quality of the meeting. You can meet every week, which some of you may want to do. We did. ELT met every single week because there was, the complexity of the ministry was so extreme that we needed to keep... But frequency, you, you have to make that call based on your situation. And then the uh, quality. How you design the meeting. That's why you need time to think. That's why you need time to hear the Holy Spirit, to forewarn you of potential gaps, things that aren't going well, some contention on your team, some, some areas that are deficient. And so you must become creative in terms of how you, you should have a standard agenda, but creative in terms of what's on it and how it works and what you do and how you coach and teach and train and mentor and what things you can do to accelerate the learning process. And here's, I'll give you, I'll give you a, 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 one example, and that is to, I used to generate assignments at times just to get people out of their comfort zone. So, so several people came up to me just this morning and shared with me that I, I got complacent myself. Pastor shared it, sitting here, and got, get complacent. So your job is to keep everybody's fire lit, let, not let the fire go out. And so wake up the team at times. It's important. You have to wake them up. Sometimes you wake them up with depth charge questions. That'll wake them up. 
You know, when you drop a depth charge and their fillings get rattled, then, you know, think, we keep people focused. We keep people uh, energized. We keep people uh, committed. But another way to wake up the team is through assignments. And you, could, you should be very good at this. Give them assignments from the Word of God. If it's a scriptural system, give them assignments from the Word of God that match up with the system and ask them to read that particular. I've given you some examples, particularly at the beginning, and then they can do that with their team and with the C team, but they give them, give them assignments from here and ask them to come back and report to you, to the team, not you. Don't even have them report to you. Have them report to the team. Build unity. And you know what? The team fights for one another. Once you, let, once you create the right kind of a team here, they will fight for one another. And they'll protect you too. They won't let anybody sit there and not, not, it's not that they can't speak, but they won't put up with excuses. They'll say, hey, wait a minute. How come every time we come? They won't put up with that. But assignments. So give them, give them a, I gave you an assignment. Exodus 17 and all of Exodus 18. And hopefully God spoke to you. He, hopefully he confirmed this system, some, that part of it in your spirit. So that's what I'm talking about. Give them assignments. You get creative. You have to get creative. You have to be thinking about how am I going to facilitate learning? How am I going to facilitate discipleship? Another thing is, you know, when they give them a section to read or whatever, what did you see Jesus do? How did he handle that situation? Why... Why was he the master communicator? What did he do? Let them research it in the Word of God. Let them discover their own learning. What characteristics did he display? What was the fruit? How did that get accomplished? What were the results? What else did you discover? If, if, if we had a discussion, give them the homework assignment I gave you. Okay, what did you learn? See, you take, you've got an agenda, and I don't have time to teach this, but here's the executive. It's in the product. Executive summary. Then you get a, everybody reports in for three to five minutes on their area. So in 15 minutes or 25 minutes, you've just taken the pulse of the ministry because they're honest and they're telling you what's going on in each of their areas of responsibility. You just took the pulse. You know, it's just like you go into the doctor's office. You know, they, they check your pulse or they put the blood pressure thing on here. They, get, they take your pulse. So you're taking the pulse, number three up there. Protect your anointing, accomplish the vision, and the pulse. So you have to take, the, every leader ta has to take the pulse of their team. So the fastest way to do that is these people report in for three minutes, five minutes, whatever it takes, given the size and complexity of your ministry, and they report in, and you get, a, you get an honest report on how the whole ministry is doing in 15 or 30 minutes. <clears throat> And let me see where I was. Um, oh, so you, you, that's the executive summary. Then I told you earlier, everybody works in priorities. So one, two, three, four, five. These are the highest priorities, your priorities. The macro priorities here, the top five. There are all the fives 
previously and the five from last year and the five, but there are, this year, there are five. Four is okay, six, that's about enough. If you get them accomplished, add some more. But we work in priorities. So the first thing we do on the agenda here is to make sure that the most important stuff gets reported on and we know that it's moving in the right direction. And all I wanted to do, I didn't want to take you through the agenda here, but then there needs to be a place where issues are brought to the table with recommendations. So they can bring up issues, but they need to have a plan or a solution or a recommendation that will address that particular issue. And then finally, and that's what I wanted to get to, you'll have coaching. And so that, that was Pastor Corona's question last night, you know, well, how, where do you do that? How much time? Here. So you can have, a, particularly at the beginning with your team, and even at times along the way, you'll, you need to block out enough time to make sure they're just being discipled and they're learning and growing. Now, if a, if a situation occurs right here, or like Jesus, they're walking along and a situation occurs, then, or he asked a question and they need to be enlightened, or something happens here and they need, that would be a coaching opportunity. That's a real-time coaching opportunity. Here's another one. And you don't wait until the end of the year, write it down, take, let's keep track of all this stuff, and then next year we'll bring it up in the performance evaluation. No, we're bringing it up right here in the meeting, immediately, capitalizing on every teachable moment. That's first, transformation first, then transactions second. Capitalize on every teachable moment. Real-time coaching right here, and then there, there can be something that the Holy Spirit's told you about or something that you have an, an unction, the same uh, unction about, you're going to coach it here. And you block out the time to do that right. And there'll be a lot more of that at the beginning. And then once you get up ahead of steam, there may be less. But you have to be creative with assignments. Here's a good one, because we talked yesterday about succession, the 85% rule and everything. This would be an interesting assignment sometime. Now, it's not every time you meet, but every once in a while or once in a blue moon, have your leaders that are sitting around the table. It doesn't matter what team, depending on your progress, but I'd like you to provide a plan that will outline how your team you're part of the organization, so your team will operate effectively in the event that you're not there, that you're moved, promoted, transferred, or we need to send you to a multi-site, or there's an opportunity out on the mission field and we need to send you. Then how is your, so, so why do we wait? Why do we wait? How practical is it? How efficient or effective is it? We wait until God moves somebody and then we, oh my goodness, we can't, that department tanks. That, or we need to move them onto that assignment, for example. Oh, we can't. 
Because if we move this, the children's ministry tanks. Is, that's it. There's nobody. There's nobody to put in their place. We just got one person that can lead it. That's it. So one good thing would be, what's the plan? And then hold them to the plan. What would you do? What are you working on? How are you developing somebody to be 85% of you so that when God adds another major arrow here, we can give it to one of you or move one of you and somebody is there to replace you? We have to get them in that mindset. Otherwise, succession planning and replication is just a, it's just a nice word we throw around. And I see that all the time in ministry. You know, we're, now we're stuck. We can't move them. So create an assignment that, make, that ensures that what we're going to need to have gets accomplished. And we talked last night about innovation. And let, let me just, because I, uh, let me just, let me just um, emphasize that you have to constantly stay on creativity and innovation because for the reason I said, the, the bigger you become, the harder it is to become who you were meant to be because we settle in and everybody gets comfortable and several pastors came up and said, I, I'm one. You, you really spoke to me yesterday. And your team is no different. And pastor, what did he say? He has an annual unfocus period. <laughs> it's a kind of an annual thing. And uh, he was very transparent. But let's get honest. We all have that. And, and, and I'm not talking about having proper time, a proper Sabbath, a proper vacation. But I'm talking about, you know, th that those lapses where we settle. And we just, you know, and we get tired. Where, when does that happen? When you're tired, when you're worn down, when you're stressed out, when you're frustrated. When you're depressed and demoralized and discouraged and dismayed and the other 23 D words because of dysfunction. So we, but you've got to jerk the chain once in a while. You've got to give assignments. You've got to wake up the team. You've got to create constructive conflict. And good leaders are masters at doing that. It's not abusive. We're just trying to shake things up just like he appreciated being told that he needs to, that somebody on his team had to jerk the chain. Pastor, it's, you know, I'm accountable, and you're, you heard him. So what, <laughs> that's valuable, isn't it? Yes. When, when, I mean, I can talk theory and system and all that stuff, but then when somebody has done it in real time, comes up here and role plays it, that's, that's, that speaks volumes, doesn't it? it yeah, so what we're going to try to do, we, we talked about, kicked this around a little the other night, and one of the things that, that, uh, that would be, I think, very helpful is, um, and we just mentioned back in the green room, I'm not saying this is the gospel truth, I'm just saying this is something that's on my heart and my mind, and, and he and I were just kicking it around a little bit back there, but when... Um, we do one of these again, and he and I can get together, you know, and anybody else, Pastor Vance, Pastor uh, Grunwald in Germany, in Europe. Uh, you know, I could teach the principle, and then we could tap more into 
the wise counsel and the experience, the experiential things. And this didn't work, and this did work, and that, that, will, that will help, wouldn't it? Yeah. Okay. Well, good. That's a learning. Um, <clears throat> so, a friend of mine was going to buy his wife uh, a present for birthday, anniversary, I don't know what it was. Went into the jewelry store. He, the clerk was busy helping this couple over here. And they were interested in this particular tray of jewelry. And he's kind of waiting there. The clerk says, I'll be right with you, sir. And so he's schmoozing around and he, you know, looking at stuff and trying to decide what he was going to buy for his wife. And he's overhearing this couple. And the lady said, can we see these, those crosses there? And the guy brings out the tray and sets it on the counter. And then he overhears the ladies looking through the different crosses, some big, some small. And then she said to the clerk, she said, who's that little guy on the cross? I know, that's what you face every day. That's, the com that's our competition. Well, who's the little guy on the cross? <laughs> that's, that's where things are going this day, these days. I know you know that. I'm not, I know you know that. But who's the little guy on the cross? So if, if we were thinking about, you know, how to reach this generation with relevancy and innovation, you could spend weeks and nights and all for trying to figure out how are we going to reach the people that wonder who the little guy on the cross is? But that's not your job. That's not your job. Your job is to get these people, one of them or all of them, and get creative and innovative. So you put the story or the issue out on the table. And you ask them, I want you to come up. Here's an assignment. I want you to look at the way we're operating. What did, what did, he just sat here. And one of his leaders said, Pastor, people aren't getting saved because you preach too long. And it's not that the preaching isn't good, but you're not giving yourself enough time for an altar call and doing it right like you used to. So that's what I'm talking about. And that you, but you, you, you've got to create assignments and situations and challenges for innovation for your team. And guess what? When they come up with innovative ideas and they cross rough and each of them has their piece of a puzzle and they work together, they get excited. They get motivated. They love this. They don't love it if you come up with the ideas and say, okay, Joe, here's what you do. Jane, I want you to do this. They are faithful, but they're not motivated. They're not excited. They're not self-initiating. They're not, they're not even sitting here thinking. They're just waiting. You know, they're daydreaming, texting, and waiting for you to tell them what to do next. Stop it. Get creative. Get innovative. And challenge them to be innovative. innovative. So in this particular case, how can we deal with a generation that's wondering who the little guy is on the cross? Because they never went to Sunday school. They haven't been to church yet, ever. Their parents don't even talk about it. They never heard of it. So what are we doing? Well, how are we functioning? As, and this, we could spend a long time here. I know you know that. <clears throat> are you with me on that? Okay, 
What are those, let me see, yeah, discipleship moments, where do they occur? Well, they occur in, again, I've told you, most of the occurs in meetings, but wh where, what are the meetings? And we mentioned some of them over there yesterday, but what are the meetings? Well, there's the regularly scheduled meetings, like Pastor just said, and like I just said. You've got your executive leadership team, and that team there, they meet on a regular basis, however regular that can be based on your discernment and decision. And then this team re meets on a regular basis, and then that team re meets on a regular basis. And yes, they're, at times they're going to get assigned to come up with the strategic plan for your department for this year. But then for the rest of the year, what are they doing? They're innovating and creating and building upon what we established and making it better all year long. Teams way down here working on a small facet of the ministry, making that facet of the ministry better. So if it's the nursery, how can the nursery be made light years better? And they work on that every year, and we never arrive because next year we'll be making it better than better. And in every facet of the ministry. <clears throat> so you have regularly scheduled meetings, whether it's an ELT, executive leadership team, or an executive council. <clears throat> Pardon me, those are, those are meetings on a regular basis. Then you have your annual strategic planning meeting, which is the one I talked about uh, down, well, here. You have your, your annual meeting, and we haven't discussed planning yet. I mean, we haven't done it for a while. We've done it, but we haven't done it here for a while. We've been working on maximum and ultimate and discipler, and the other pillars, positioning and process, principally, and some performance. Then you, have, you can have quarterly reviews and quarterly forums. What would they be? Well, a quarterly review would be a meeting with your team and perhaps this team on a particular subject that pertains to this team or that team over there, or that team, or this team, or in other words, this team, or hers team, or any team. And you have a quarterly review. What is that? A review is to review results. So if you're, if a high priority is taking 10 to 20 this year, the, the assimilation rate, or 15 to 30, and I, let me just tell you, everybody says, wow, I don't know that, and then we get started on working on it, and then what I find, uh, not trying to be critical, but what I find is very little progress, and three years later, nobody can tell me, again, I'll go to a client, Can't, I don't know, I don't know what, oh, gee, yeah, I should have checked, what? We should have checked. So, so we have a review to see, are we maintaining progress on things that we said were critical? And then the other meeting, quarterly, and if you can't do a quarterly, that's okay, then do it as frequently as you can, three times a year, twice a year. I wouldn't let it go a whole year. Then you end up with, you know, nothing happened for a whole year. But behavior 
would be the forum. A, a forum is about behavior. Are we behaving the proper way? So one is a review on results and the other is a review on behavior and you need to have both. You need to, so if you're concerned that we're not building teams and we're not discipling, then that would be, and you create the questions, the depth charge questions and the way you would design the meeting. Get creative, have some fun with it and give people the assignments and have a meeting to find out whether we're making progress or not on a certain result or it could be one of these priorities. You know, there isn't time in this meeting. This thing is not working. We don't know why, and in this meeting here, we don't have time to discuss it. Uh, if P Pastor Vance had to go back, but I was going to have him come up here and sit at the table, uh, but he had to get back and catch the flight this morning. But I was going to have him come up here because he would tell you that one of the things that really debilitated their progress, Pastor Vance from West Haven, Connecticut, who spoke last night, he, he was going to sit here at my request, and he was going to share with you that their progress was so debilitated initially until he came to an advanced implementation forum with the partners in New Haven. He hosted it, actually, and he he asked a question and he got some help but he was spending way too much time discussing and solving problems here which is what many people do when they first start this no matter how many times I say there's nothing in here that says problem solving or discussing it's not your job if you can't make a decision here then you redirect it I know I didn't do it here, but I do in mo Oh, yes, I did right here. See this second arrow? Redirect it. You direct it. You get plans, ideas, and recommendations. If you can't commission the work, you coach them. Tell them why. That's the coaching. Why can't you approve it? And then you redirect them and have them come back with something you can approve. So you redirect it. But there was too, too much problem solving here, fixing, and you have an inclination to do that. My pastor sat here, and I would be on this end, and I'd be facilitating the meeting, but an issue would surface, and because he's smart, and because he'd been, he'd been doing it for 16 years or 14 at that point, he would jump right into the fray and try to solve it, because he's smart, and that's what he'd been doing all of his life, ministry life. And so I would have to say, Pastor, what's the direction? Oh, geez, Dean, thanks. There I go again. Here's the direction. That, you're gonna have to, you need people on your team who will speak up and say, Pastor, what's the direction? Come on, you're, just, you're, you're not supposed to be solving this. We are. So give us some direction and let's move on. Let's get something done in here. You, this is not problem solving. Otherwise, it takes hours and hours and huge portions of days and you can wipe out a whole evening on number one. Task forces. We need a task force on something. There's something here. We can't solve it here. I'm not even going to attempt to solve it here. But it's really critical. So sometimes this is the task force, and you, you say, I'm not going to be part of the meetings, but I want you over to the next month. I want you to meet 
twice together, and I want you to, or three, whatever, whatever you determine the direction is, and I want you to come back with a plan that addresses this. Or we have, we give it to this team here, and we have a task force that will, or we do it over here. Or the, the testimonies that you have on the table there, the last one, a guy built two million dollar corporations, and he ordered the product. Where's, give me one of those things. Thank you, Pastor. Sorry to talk to you like that. He said, I'm a businessman. I'm going to tell you what, what he does. I'm a businessman from Texas. I've spent, the, he was going to be here, but he had uh, to be, had another assignment that he couldn't avoid. I have, I've spent the last 35 years building two corporations with sales of a little over 100 million. I have recently purchased your CEO library resources. I never met him. He saw it online. And I'm amazed at the quality of the materials you have made available. So many things that I learned on my journey to building our companies you have so concisely articulated and so much more that I had not learned. And he also said, well, you know, what could, how much could I have sell, accelerated and, and how much more could we have done if I'd had it? You have been a great blessing in my life. I thank God he raised up somebody like you for the body of Christ. What he told me he does, because we were kicking this around, about in, the very thing we're talking about, innovation, creativity, and task forces. But he said, what I do all the time is I take, you know, maybe that guy over there and a couple people from this team and three of them from that team, and I put them together, and I cross-rough them, and I say, here's your assignment. Come up with uh, solutions. And then another time, I pick another team. And he said, I do that all the time, and I get things stirred up. I get things stirred up. In the, in the war with uh, Germany, the, the, Brit, the Brits had half the amount of planes as the Germans and half the amount of pilots. But they, they put B-squad B pilots on teams with the A-team, in squadrons with the A-team, so they could see how the A-team guy directed the squadron in their bombing missions over Germany. And that's what he's saying he did. He didn't use that as the example, but, but uh, he, that's what he does. That's how he built his corporation. So I recommend that you use task forces to energize things and get, and get things cranked up, and, or special projects on special assignments. And you but you have to get creative. And you create energy this way, and you get unbelievable ideas. How about another? I didn't mention this, but maybe you got a person from there or nobody from there. They, they've got enough to lead. But you got somebody from this team and, the, and that other team over there and that team and a couple from that team over there and maybe even, how about this, some high potential people. They, they, they've, they haven't even been through membership class. How do you rope them in? Get them on one of these teams. T I, did, I had a client that did this. And I said, get, you got this, these problems? How? He said, I, I, you know, we're getting nowhere. And these guys are maxed out until they build their teams. I said, well, just get some teams. Get some, get some people. You got some high potential guys that aren't involved? He said, oh, yeah, there's a lot of guys. They're businessmen. They're very busy. I said, good. Ask them if they'd just be on a team for three months. So they're going to meet every other week six times for three months. And guess what? three-quarters of those guys came back to the pastor and said, you know, 
I had no idea you had to deal with this stuff, sir. I mean, I thought you just preach and then, you know, play golf. Yeah. That's it. I didn't know you had all these problems and all this stuff. Yeah, they have, they have no idea. You, you, nobody knows that better than you, right? Yeah. But, or they have an idea, but they don't know that this kind of idea and this kind of challenge. And what they said, this was fun. Can, can I lead that thing? Or can I be on a team? Can I get plugged in? I mean, I don't have a lot. I'm, I'm an executive here. I'm a plant manager there. I, but can I just, you know, could I? I'd like to stay. I'd like to help you if this is what it's like. Yeah, get them on a team. Or create a team. Then say, you know, I need you to go through the pipeline here. Because you've you got to understand who we are and how we function and what we're all about. And, the, and then I, yeah, I can get you on a team. But you're, you're, you don't want to put them on a team because, well, they, you know, they could damage. No, they're not going to damage anything. Maybe you a little bit, but the, it's your team. But if you're strong, you tell them, and then you, this happens all the time. I might as well throw this in here. They're going to say, you're going to say, I can't let a guy like Tom Stocking in on my team. I couldn't have Radke come in on my team. I couldn't get whatever executive really would like to help you. I can't let them on my team because they're, they're bright and they know how to do this and they're going to come up with ideas and then what, they're going to run roughshod over everything. No, you, they don't run roughshod over everything. You tell them what the direction is. I need your help. I need you on this team. I need all the wisdom I can get and all the counsel and all the under... But we need to, you need to understand this. We have to have this covenant. You come up with these ideas from your experience, and they worked out there. But you need to understand, I have to get approval from God. And if I can't get approval from God, we're not doing it. And if you're going to get an attitude and run around the congregation telling everybody that I wouldn't know a good idea if it hit me in the face, then I can't have you help me or anything like that. But could we have a relationship? Can we have that understanding and agreement? And if we can, if you understand that or anything else you need to tell them, then we can work together. So are you okay with that? Just tell, be honest with me. Tell me right now. But don't go there on me because that will create havoc here. We, will, we only approve the things God approves. See, so come on, you just need to provide the direction up front. You need to establish the expectations when you're meeting with the team. You, and, and you get unctions all the time. You get unctions all the time. You know, one of the, thing, one of the reasons you don't have enough people is because you're underutilizing the ones you have. I just want to give you an example of something. You're underutilizing the people you have. Because it's been years since you checked to see what people are doing around here. And you got a guy that, you know, came in through the doors years ago, eight years ago. He, he uh, had a, started a company in Winston. And it was just a $300,000 company just getting started. And he came through the door. And he said, you know, uh, he went through membership class and he said, I want to usher. And you said, great, we need ushers. And you put him on the usher corps. Eight years later, he's got a $3 million company in Winston, and he's still ushering, and you're trying to build a ministry. What's wrong with this? He should be on team. He should be helping you build this place. So one thing you can do, and I'm telling you this so I can make a point. One thing you can do is tell your team, 
I want, to, I want you to get a list of everybody that's working and serving in this ministry. And then I want you to analyze the list in every department, on every team, wherever, wherever they are. I want, a, I want a list, and I want you to identify where they're serving, because I want to look into where we're utilizing the people we do have. We, we can't keep the ones that God sends, and we're not training, develop, but how are we utilizing the ones we do have? that are in position already. And so I, wanna, I want you to take that list and then I want you to look at it and I want you to tell me, I want you to come back with it and make a presentation to me and to each other, but you guys are working on it on a team and I want you to come back and tell me where we're underutilizing people. Now what's the first thing that you thought of that just you got an unction or a quickening in your spirit that could go wrong with that assignment? What, what could go wrong with that assignment? Is this one of the key questions for you? One is, what did you learn from this experience when they mess up? That's why we celebrate noble failure. What did you learn from this experience? That's a good question. The other really great question is, what could go wrong? Because we're not going to learn everything. We're not going to head everything off at the pass. So the other question is, what could go wrong? So what did you think of? Somebody, somebody who hadn't been heard this before. What did you think of? What, what? triggered in your gut. When I said, when I gave him this assignment, I said, I want you to look at it and tell me where we're underutilizing people, like on this team here, or that team. Okay, you're, I need to catch a flight, so I'm going to have to tell you. But they're, they're going to hide people on their team, right? I mean, wouldn't you think about that? Yeah, you're going to, when you give direction, you're going to get a gut check. Ooh, this could go wrong. The Holy Spirit's going to tell you that could be a problem. So you act on it right here. It doesn't even have to happen. But you, you, all you have to do is say, like I just illustrated with the executives getting on a team, you just have to say to your people, what, what could go wrong with this assignment? What, what can you think could go wrong with this assignment? And some, one of them might say, well... We might want to protect somebody on our team. We might, somebody might be inclined to say, you know, look, every, th that guy that he's underutilized in doing what he's doing, but everything he is is because of me. I trained him, I, dis I developed him, and I can't afford to lose him. So I ain't acknowledging he could be used better in another place, praise God. <laughs> so you tell him right up front, guys, Yes, that's right. That, if they don't know, then you've got you to help them. But if, if you have a propensity to do that, don't. Honesty. And if you've already taught them on honesty and the consequences for being dishonest, then they understand fully. If you want to stay on this team, you better be honest in this assignment. And so that's, I'm, I'm doing this because I want to encourage you to act on the unction. You get the unction from the Holy Spirit. You know what could go wrong. Then coach it right there. Deal with it right there. Or when it occurs right here, get on it immediately. And it'll change the culture. You could also, you have a lot of spiritual issues. That Some of you have elders. Some of you have, like Pastor Whitfield, has pastors that are all on his executive leadership team. However you're structured. I don't get into that. You, you, God will tell you how he wants that done, or you can get counsel. I, I, I can give you some suggestions. But a spiritual advisory board 
is good, and you may already have that in place. But that's a place where you can go to get wisdom uh, of a, on a spiritual nature, or you have a particular issue with someone and you want some counsel. It's either with your elders or uh, whoever you trust, your past, other pastors. Then also a business advisory board. They don't even have to be on, they, they could be on the EC, but they could be guys that just operate, they're in the church, they operate in the community, they're, they're solving problems every day on a huge magnitude. They would be, get tap into their council, say, we got this particular, invite them to the EC meeting. You must, what, I, what am I saying? Get creative. These are, these are opportunities, discipleship moments. They get discipled, you get discipled. With, it's a two-way street. And so... I think I've unpacked enough of that right now. Thanks. Wait. Covered some of that yesterday. Let's see. Are you getting the idea that it's not your problem? Are you getting the idea that problems are not your problem? That every problem you turn to the team and you model that there so they model it here. So this leader doesn't take on all the problems either. So they're free to think and lead and guide and be the, a disciple of men. It's not your problem. Stop solving all the problems. Here's one of the fastest ways to, to dispense the problem to someone else. It's a, such a simple thing that we don't do it. It's called the one to ten. One to ten. So let's say there's a problem. A lack of, let's say that the thing I mentioned earlier, lack of, of follow through. Or if the problem is a lack of innovation. A lack of discipleship. Whatever the lack is, it presents a problem, it's a gap, it's a vulnerability, it's a debilitator to your growth. Or bobblehead a little so I, I can make it through the next 15, 20 minutes. Okay, so we, you're with me. Thank you, Pastor Morgan. So the, the one very easy, simple way to do it, I just wanna give you this tool. Some of you know it, some of you may know it, but not working it, not using it. But on a scale, whatever it is, a lack of follow-through, a lack of initi uh, innovation, a lack of initiative, a lack of uh, discipleship, a lack of team building, a lack of whatever the lack is. It, that usually represents a fact that is an issue that needs to be turned into an opportunity. But the point is, it's not your job to turn it into an opportunity. The issues and problems get on the table and then somebody is mobilized to turn it into an opportunity. You, your job is to get, recognize them, either through the unction that I just said uh, or through something that surfaces in the meeting, something that isn't right in the meeting, and it surfaces. And you have to take, you recognize it. How do you make it a priority? By 
everybody at the table facing the reality. So you call their attention to it. You stop immediately and you put it out on the table. You've got to function this way. Otherwise, things just fester. A little leaven, leaven at the whole lump eventually. The, ne the next time you look, the gap is over here. So you recognize, you prioritize, and then you mobilize by assigning it to someone. Or in this case, you're putting, you're bringing it to, you're causing the team to face reality so that we can bring about a change. So, on a, so you simply say, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being optimum follow through and one being zip follow through, where would you say we are? And you're, and you're doing that right here. On a scale of one to 10, this one's, this is, you don't have to do this every time, but this will get you jump started. Just do this, one to